You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to a Victory Tuesday edition of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And of course, this season has been, we'll call it different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you have been watching this season. Personally, I have been more and more excited every week as they've ripped off this three-game winning streak all in the division, being able to sit at home and actually watch a team that is bearable to watch has certainly been preferable. But however you watch and why you are watching Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. And today, of course, we are going to talk about the 19-13 victory in Soldier Field. The Vikings finally win in Chicago in in the Kirk Cousins era. They hadn't done that. They've only won there twice in the last decade, make it three times now. And all of the curses of Soldier Field and Monday Night Football and alternate uniforms and all of that stuff all kind of crowded each other out, kind of like Mr. Burns and all the diseases in The Simpsons. And the Vikings were able to get the win in an ugly, ugly. I mean, it was still very much a Vikings-Bears-Soldier Field game. It was a hideous game with with strange turnovers, dumb penalties, horrific special teams play, and all kinds of stuff that you don't really want to be talking about uh, at the end of a game. But they got the win, and winning ugly still counts. Counts just the same as if they put up 40 in this game. And when it comes to the actual playoff position and the uh, the place where the Vikings are at now, the idea of them actually sneaking back into this NFC and finding a way into the postseason suddenly is not just a homerish pipe dream. Suddenly they're four and five, they're three and one in the division, and their next three games are all at home against sub 500 opponents. There is a reasonable argument to be made that they can do this and actually keep this winning streak going and get them get themselves back into the game. And we'll we'll talk a little bit more about all that. Of course, you know, draft position isn't really a conversation anymore. Now that they're four and five, they'll be somewhere in the middle unless they make the playoffs and they'll be at the back end of things. But they'll uh that now they can kind of approach this game, approach these coming games, that is, like they they have a chance at it. And you can see the change in energy. You know, if you go watch any of the games, like the first game against the Packers or the Colts or something like that, even when they would make a good play, it would kind of just be business as usual. You maybe have like a, a lighthearted tap on the shoulder if you made a good play or something. They're jumping around. They're getting fired up. There's a great shot of Kirk Cousins getting absolutely fired up at the end of this game. This is a hideous game. The Vikings don't have a lot to feel great about. I mean, there were certain players that played well, but ultimately they only scored 19 points. Uh, and the, the running game was awful for the most part until Akeem, Akeem Hicks left the game. They, they, there were all sorts of special teams problems and all that stuff. They've got a lot to work on, and they probably shouldn't feel that good about themselves, but just the energy of getting a win like this is going to get you fired up, and I think that's a really, really great thing. I think the headline for, you know, like the answer to why the Vikings win, I think holding the Bears to 13 points, you're going to win most of those games, right? The defense was incredible, especially in the second half after the kick return touchdown from Cordero Patterson. We'll get into some of the special team stuff later. But after that blunder, 
the defense held uh, the Bears to minus two total yards in the third quarter, 79 yards total in the second half, including getting some of those crucial stops at the end of the game. Of course, the last one was only, they only had like 50 seconds. They had to go the length of the field, no timeouts, and then Nick Foles gets hurt in the middle of it. So that one is a, a little bit more difficult for the offense and puts the defense in a better situation, kind of similar to like what we talked about with the, the Packers game it was a very similar situation. But the, you can then kind of uh, see the, the drive before that as the real, like they needed a stop and they got a turnover on downs and they got the stop and uh, gave the Vikings the chance to run out some clock. They ended up running out just enough clock to make it not really realistic that the Bears would be able to get uh, a, a real game-winning drive. Um, but the defense that played very, very well, there are a lot of players I want to shout out too. I mean, uh, you know, you had pretty good games from a lot of defensive linemen. I thought uh, Perkley's Mata'afa flashed a, a couple of times. I thought DJ Wanham, he had his sack. There were a couple of good Armin Watts flashes. And these guys are sort of making the case for themselves to be a part of the organization moving forward and to be somebody who the Vikings intend to start moving forward, which at some point in all of these guys' careers was never even in the question. On the offensive side of the ball, I thought Kirk Cousins had a decent game. We'll talk about him in a sec, uh, but I think the, the Vikings really, really, really wanted to run Dalvin Cook, and it, no matter what gap they picked, it just was not there. I think the run blocking in this game was absolutely abysmal. Dalvin Cook ends up with only 3.2 yards per carry, and uh, I, I think the Vikings were probably a little bit too committed to that, but I think if you just start abandoning the run and throwing and stuff, especially when you have a lead, that's when, you know, the defense starts teeing off and starts blitzing a whole bunch, and then you can get a bunch of, like, weird pressure on Kirk Cousins, and then some other disaster would happen. They played it very safe. They played this whole game very safe, trying to avoid disasters as much as these Bears Vikings games always feel like they are just teetering on the knife's edge. It feels like you are carrying a basket full of grenades and you're walking through an obstacle course like anything can go wrong and the slightest little tip could turn this from a, a little bit of a mistake to an utter catastrophe. But I think the real uh, the real offensive production here, the Vikings only get 19 points, 20 points normally, but they did botch an extra point. So they only get 19 points, only a couple of touchdown drives, both of them to Adam Thielen, but Justin Jefferson, 135 yards. And I think Kirk Cousins was very, very good on third down here. That is, I, I think, the story of the game for Cousins here is that he was able to convert a lot of third downs, get a lot of production on those third downs. And they were not easy third downs. Sometimes it was third and four. Sometimes it was third and 11. You know, sometimes, I mean, they, they converted a first and 20 after a holding penalty. And those mistakes, I think that really defines the game, that a lot of the mistakes the Vikings made, they were able to make up for. You know, you, uh, you, you have a bad Kyle Rudolph fumble, interception on the very next play. Have a bad special teams play, recover a muffed punt. And a lot of that is also, you know, mistakes on the Bears as well. Um, and I think the inverse is true, whereas when the Bears got opportunities off of mistakes, they threw it away by muffing the punt or by, uh, you know, by throwing a dumb interception. When the Vikings got opportunities based off of the Bears' mistakes, they were able to capitalize. And I think they just overall played a more controlled game. They outproduced the heck out of the Bears in this one. And really, special teams was the only reason that that the Bears were in it. And I think some, I think, questionable run-pass balance as well, especially considering that, like, they're the Bears. They're Akeem Hicks, and Akeem Hicks was blowing everything up. But then, in I think in the third quarter, he was chasing down a rollout. He gets uh, knocked out of the game with some kind of injury and now the Vikings suddenly were able to run that was an absolutely huge 
huge break for the Vikings to lose Akeem Hicks. I hope Akeem Hicks is okay because that Bears defense is not the same without him. Now, when it's a night game like this, sometimes, you know, you might have to like get dinner in the middle of the game. Well, maybe I do, or depending on what time zone you're in, right? Some For some people, it starts at like 8 p.m. or whatever. But maybe you're trying to get dinner in the middle of the game. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Go to open the DoorDash app, choose whatever you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. And with over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos, and they need your support now more than ever. Or maybe you just want to choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, even something like the Cheesecake Factory. DoorDash deliveries are contactless, so we can keep the communities we operate in safe. And right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of 15 bucks or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDON. That's $5 off zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code Locked On. Don't forget that's code Locked On for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And hey, thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment, maybe overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, we've all joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season is a lot different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you've been watching. Whether you've been rooting for draft position and you're you're keeping tabs on the Jets and Giants and Washington and all these teams, or whether you think the Vikings can really make a run at this, get hot at the right time and be that sneaky wildcard team that might be able to Joe Flacco this, whatever you're looking for, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. So there's a couple of things I want to highlight uh, in terms of like individual performances and and some of the themes of this game. And then, of course, it is Twitter Tuesday. So I've got some questions from you guys, a lot of them coming right in the wake of the game. So it's beautiful and emotional uh, just the way that we like it. But I think we got to talk about special teams here because the, the Vikings had a ton of really inexcusable special teams blunders. Sam Ekstrom, former host of this show, uh, itemized them. I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, so you you had the punt that could have been downed at the one. It was a perfect punt. Dan Chisano was all over it. Couldn't get his heels off of the goal line. He just set himself up wrong. It wasn't momentum. It wasn't anything. He just didn't have awareness of where he was. Ends up being a touchback. Uh, you have the the kick return from Cordero Patterson for the touchdown, the only touchdown the Bears would get all game. It almost ru- ruined what was a marvelous defensive performance. You have KJ Osborne almost muffing it and end up ending up going backwards. You have uh, the botched extra point coming off of a really bad long snap. This is, a, again, a really big problem. Austin Cutting, we are talking about him again. We should not be talking about the long snapper here in, in November. Uh, you had a couple of really, really bad punt returns. I think all of them were... Dan Chisina's fault? Uh, all of them looked like Dan Chisina's fault. There's maybe one that was somebody somebody else's fault, but otherwise all of it looked like Dan Chisina's fault, including I think the uh, the kick return touchdown. I think that was Dan Chisina's responsibility, and then everybody else had to recover for being outside and in, in the wrong lane. Um, you had a couple of really bad kickoffs, like right after the kickoff return touchdown, there was another line, ri- line drive right at Patterson. He got out to like the 35. Uh, and you had the final punt after the the, the Vikings tried to, to run out clock. You had like 50 seconds left, and uh, Britton Colquitt couldn't get that thing to not touch back. So it was a really, really, really rough special teams day. And I think there's two people that are that that bear like most of the responsibility. One is Austin Cutting, bad long snapping, 
this is unacceptable. And the other one is Dan Chisna, bad gunning, bad coverage. And it, it, it was actually kind of astounding how it always ended up being Dan Chisina. And here's the thing. He's not on the roster because he's useful on offense. He can't run the routes. He can't play wide receiver at a rosterable level, right? They tried to move him to safety in the middle of training camp because they knew that he could not do it. So he is only here for special teams. And if he's going to play that poorly on special teams, that was not a rosterable performance. That was not an NFL player on special teams. That was a track star on special teams that does not know how to play football. He couldn't break down. This is classic punt gunner stuff. If you're really, really fast, you get that punt gunner roll. You end up coming in at a million miles a second. You're trying to light somebody up and they head fake you once. Tiny, subtle juke. They don't even really need to work that hard at. You go flying out of the play and it's super easy to take you out of the play or he just will set up wrong and take himself completely out of the play. I don't think there's a reason to roster Dan Chisina. Like, I, I love his story and all of that, and I think it's really cool that he was able to make the team on special teams in a, a no-preseason environment that's really great to overcome those odds. But he's a disaster. He's an absolute catastrophe, and on special teams, there's no room for a catastrophe. You can find a decent punt gunner anywhere, and I think the same of Long Snapper, honestly. There was a question uh, in, in the, the Twitter Tuesday mailbag, a lot of questions, actually, about Austin Cutting and Dan Chisina. My answer is, go find another one. It's super easy to swap this. There's a thousand people out there that can play long snapper at an NFL level and that can gun punts at an NFL level. And right now we have two people who aren't doing that enough for it to affect the outcomes of games. This is not finding a little five yard edge in field position. This is preventing catastrophes. And it's time to do that. I don't think you need to like get rid of Marwan Malouf. I don't think it's a coaching issue necessarily. I just think it's like these two guys need to be replaced with somebody replacement level. And then the problem will be fixed. And, you know, it's unlike with like a starting position like guard or something, or if you have like a trouble with cornerback, you know, you can't just like find a cornerback on the street. You can find special teams players on the street. These are guys that were only ever on their team for special teams. And then like eventually the team decides it's not worth a roster spot. These guys are out there. So go make the move. Go bring somebody in for the veteran minimum and, and get this thing squared away before it actually costs you a game. The Vikings are lucky that it hasn't yet. Uh, I also want to shout out Hercules Madoff. I shouted him out a little bit before. He had an incredibly disruptive game. He was all over the backfield. He was beating people on pass rushes, and he was playing really, really well against the run. I want to get more into it on tomorrow's show when we get into some of the tape and the PFF and stuff, but I was really, really happy with the game that Hercules Mata'afa had, both inside and outside, and it seems like something has really clicked ever since he kind of, like, something he learned when he was on the practice squad or something uh, really, really clicked because he's having an excellent month of November here. Uh, I also want to talk a little bit about Kirk Cousins. I thought he was stable. He was safe. He was uh, 292 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. And and when I say safe, I don't mean like conservative. I don't mean like checkdowns and stuff like that. A 292 is a modest performance. It was also, I think there were only like three possessions in the whole first half and stuff. Um, but yeah, there there it was a, a yeah a, a modest game, not much passing in it. The Vikings still seemed very, very committed to running, which I don't think was a good idea. Uh, but I, I think that Kirk Cousins was very good and good in, in backed up non-ideal situations. That's always the thing with Kirk, right? Is that, oh, well, everything around him just needs to be so perfect. And that's kind of the, like the, the Kirk detractor thing, right? And I, I agree with it to an extent. Um, but in this game, things were not perfect. He had pressure. He had uh, pass catchers not doing their jobs, right? He had he he didn't throw any like interceptable passes, but there were two turnovers that were purely the fault of 
Kyle Rudolph and Adam Thielen messing up, guys you should be able to rely on. I thought his decision-making was okay. Uh, Obviously, you got to see the tape. Sometimes there's a deep guy down the field you had no idea was there, and you kind of have to criticize that. But uh, it was a good game from Kirk Cousins. I I think he he game-managed, but not in the way that you would use, like, as as a way to, like, make fun of, like, Alex Smith, right? I, I think he just made smart choices, and sometimes the smart choice was a deep pass to Justin Jefferson for for a huge gain. Uh, you know, or or a converting, I think that was on a third and 11, or converting a third and seven and stuff. Like, th- he, he made the correct choice a lot, made the throw. I don't know what more you want from him. I, I think it was a good game for Kirk, and especially a clutch game in, in like, difficult situations, which, you know, on prime time and stuff, very much not what he's supposed to be good at, and I'm very grateful that we got it. And I think this game, honestly, we have to point out that there were a lot of just, like, the Bears being very bad moments. Uh, you know, Cordero Patterson uh, d- dropping a handoff and ruining the play. Nick Foles overthrowing one. It's tipped. It's picked by uh, Harrison Smith. He overthrew a couple more. Uh, he overthrew the f- uh, the final fourth and nine that Nick Foles had, where he overthrew Anthony Miller, who was behind the defense. Would have been a touchdown if he could just make that throw on the run. Nick Foles could not make that f- throw on the run. Most of the quarterbacks you're going to face now for the rest of the season can make that throw. So I, I think we also have to kind of acknowledge that, listen, the Bears kind of stink. They're five and five. Um, but also the Soldier Field game is always weird and ugly and sloppy. It really, no matter how good the, or bad the Bears are. And so you wouldn't really use this one to predict at all. Uh, and I think the the more prudent use of this game is just, all right, update where we are at playoff position. The win counts. Let's move on to the next one time for the Cowboys. But hey, the Vikings finally broke through that wall. And maybe you have a wall that you're trying to break through, be it a mental wall or a physical wall, please let Biltco be the solution to breaking through that wall. Because Biltco makes you the best you at whatever it is that you do. It's the best workout gel on the market. It comes in easy to take one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase, your golf bag, your workout bag, or whatever, and you can take it on the go. It's like a five hour energy kind of, but without that same like crash feeling. So it's natural and it's a lot better for the body. It uses collagen protein, which is a fast absorber protein gets in your system fast it's easy on the stomach and uh, promotes joint soft tissue hair and skin health this stuff literally makes you look better it gives you a nice boost of natural energy that's not like having a bunch of coffee or like a normal five-hour energy or anything like that it gives you energy from stuff like beta alanine b3 honey a little kick of caffeine but mostly ten thousand percent of your daily intake of b6 and b12 so if you want to try it out for yourself Go to BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, so I know we had a primetime game. We're usually doing this the the day after the game recap, but it's Tuesday. That means it's Twitter Tuesday, and I got some of your Twitter questions, so let's talk about them. The first one comes from SkullVikings27. He sent me this before uh, the game, so it's not necessarily about the game, but it's here's a thought. Uh, when is the last time we had an objectively good O-line, and can we compare that, what we have now, to what we might need? So the first part of the question, 2013 was the last objectively good O-line. 2017 was an okay O-line, certainly not a top 10 unit. Everybody pretty much regarded the 2013 Vikings as a, as a top 10 O-line. You still had uh, John Sullivan, you still had Phil Lodeholt, people were still kind of high on Matt Khalil. Um, you had, I, I think that was the year Brandon Fusco like kind of broke out and like had his incredible year. Um, as I think it was at, at, at right guard. So 
that was, I think, the last. And it was like the Adrian Peterson, you know, 2013. He was Adrian Peterson, right? He was just coming off the 2012 year. I think the, the like 2011 to 2013 O-line was the last thing on anyone's mind. And then things kind of fell apart, especially with the catastrophe in 2016 of like, you know, Phil Lodeho getting hurt and then John Sullivan leaving and somebody else retired. Like, I'll, yeah, everything kind of went really, really bad. And I think to compare this, uh, like the needs of building a 20, I don't want a 2013 line because it doesn't fit the right scheme. But if you're just talking like quality of player, right? Like, I think we're probably in a better in better shape at left tackle than that team turned out to be. We're probably in better shape at right tackle, if only because the guy's cheap right now. Brian O'Neill's cheap right now. Um, center, I don't know, you're not going to replace Bradbury. So I, I, they need guards, man. It's kind of, that's always been the way. They've, they've got a center, they got two tackles, they, they need guards. I, I think it's pretty much that simple. You could also create an extra need for yourself if you wanted to like get cheaper at left tackle, move Ezra Cleveland over there if you feel good about it, uh, trade Riley Reef or whatever, cut him for cap space or whatever, and then you create kind of a, another need at guard. Um, so you either need one guard or two, but it's it's guards. Moving on to the topical ones, Landon Renly says, any words for the losers who thought Kirk Cousins couldn't play in primetime or on Monday? Here's what I say to that, actually. For one, if your point was that he was 0-9 and now he is 1-9 in Monday Night Football, like, your point didn't get that much weaker, but it already wasn't very strong because that's a stupid split. Essentially, primetime splits are dumb. Like, they, they aren't very predictive at all. Nobody's ever used a primetime split to predict a primetime game and been really any better than a coin. Um, so I, I think if you are, like, really big on the primetime Kirk or the Monday Kirk and he doesn't do it under the lights and he can't... Uh, I, I think if you want to prove this, the case that Kirk Cousins, like... Uh, crumbles under pressure or whatever, I'd probably go for more of a play-to-play approach and say, well, look what happens, you know, versus kept clean versus under pressure and look at these mistakes that he makes, you know, here was pressure and he threw a pick six and stuff like that. I would probably go that route um, and the oh, Monday night and Sunday night football and stuff, I, I think most of that's just kind of noise and luck. I don't I don't think you'd be any better than a, than flipping a coin trying to use previous primetime games to predict future primetime games. Magic Pineapple asks, why is Zim such a weird coach? Like some weeks he coaches incredibly and some weeks it's like he's never coached a game in his life. And I, I guess my I, I would have to ask you another question, which is what do you think good coaching is? Because I think Zim has been coaching very, very well this year outside of not having uh, the team ready without a preseason, right? Everybody else did a lot better than he did in coping with not having a preseason, and I think Zimmer failed there. But now that that has kind of passed and we're well past that like chapter of the season... He's coaching just as well as he always had. And I, I don't think that that's like this inexplicable, like he's just, he was bad at this thing, but he's good at that thing. And now, and now that thing is more important than this thing. Seems pretty straightforward to me, but I bet you could probably explain that inconsistency in whatever you're talking about. If you broke it down into what do you think the mistakes, he, like, what do you think he's good at in coaching? What do you think he's bad at in coaching? You know, he's good at preventing penalties, he's good at challenges, stuff like that. Uh, you know, is he good at getting the, the team energized and stuff like that? And I bet, for the most part, you could explain those inconsistencies by in some games, this thing was more important in some games, that thing was more important. And when the thing that he's good at was more important, they win. When the things that he's bad at was more important, he loses, etc. Tim Trainer says, how blindsided were you by the white on white unis and how much confidence did it give you? I, I think so. The Bears have a, a uniform schedule that they put out for the beginning of the year. So we know what uniform they're going to wear when and stuff. Um, I don't know if the Vikings have that. Somebody point it out to me if they do have that. But I was kind of surprised that they were white on white. They don't go alternate uniform very often. If you remember from the Friday show, there is a curse. The Vikings 
are 5 and 11, now 6 and 11, when the other team wears an alternate uniform in the Mike Zimmer era, which the Mike Zimmer era, they're like 56 and 37 and 1 or something like that in other games. So it's like, it is like kind of weird. They like weirdly play poorly against alternate uniforms, but the Vikings countered with their own alternate uniforms, which undoes the magic. Um, it absolutely changed because I'm super, super, I am super superstitious of this Soldier Field Bears game. Like, I get way superstitious about it. So that absolutely changed stuff for me. Skull for Life asks, did the Viking win? Oh, buddy, I have good news. They sure did. Grill says, does Hercules deserve a larger role moving forward after tonight? He was a difference maker. Uh, I think you might actually be behind the times here because Hercules, ha- he is, has kind of gotten a larger role uh, in terms of snap counts. He's rotating in about half of the defensive line snaps. Um, but... I I think in this game, he might have actually gotten more than half. I wasn't like charting it live or anything like that. So I can't answer this question quite yet. But the snap counts will come out pretty quickly uh, on Tuesday morning, I think. So you can kind of look it up. But I think he might already be getting a bigger role. I think, yeah, he should should be on like a starting rotation for the edge rushers. I think he's been outplaying Jalen Holmes by quite a bit. And I think he and Wanham and Odenabo become a a reasonable rotation. And I think he's he kind of earns his place. He's earned his place there. Yeah, for sure. And I think the Vikings are kind of... uh, I, 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 don't, I don't think the Vikings disagree with us there. Kyle Slaby has the uh, the last one I'm going to do today, which is you can either have Justin Jefferson, but you need to keep Kirk Cousins and Madison as the starting running back, or Dalvin Cook as the starter, a top three quarterback from this upcoming draft, and BC Johnson as your number two. Okay, so I don't, the running back and the wide receiver, I don't care at all. This is all about the quarterback for me. Do I keep Kirk Cousins or do I want a top three quarterback? And here's the thing. Uh, most people will be like, well, if it's just that, then top three quarterback absolutely right because we all are like super high on like zach wilson or whoever and like trevor lawrence and stuff um for one you said top three quarterback so i'm assuming you know if you if you thought that i would have trevor lawrence you would have said that so i'm assuming let's say i get the the third overall pick maybe i trade kirk cousins for the third overall pick or something dumb like that um and like would i make that deal and i think like on its own maybe like I, here I would have to like know what my top three quarterbacks are so I don't know circle back to me on this one in like April but I think on the whole every draft produces like maybe one good quarterback so I don't think relying on the draft is is like I don't I don't think putting yourself in a situation where we just die if we don't get this draft pick right is like good um, and I think you just have to keep taking bites at that apple and I don't necessarily think that like top three draft quarterback or whatever is going to be worth it so I I, I think I go with the Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, Alexander Madison one. Um, and, you know, you lose Dalvin Cook. I love Dalvin Cook. I'd miss Dalvin Cook, but I think you'd be okay there. But I think the Dalvin Cook, BC Johnson, rookie quarterback Vikings, they have a, a chance to be better than the, the the first thing. But I don't think that chance is high enough for me to want to risk it. So I think I'll go with the Jefferson Cousins Madison thing. But I, I, I it's close. Maybe I'll fall in love with a quarterback this April. And uh, you can ask me this question again, Kyle, in April, and, uh, and maybe my answer will change. So don't miss tomorrow. Uh, we're going to go over some of the tape of this stuff. I'm go- I, I really want to dive into why the run game didn't work. And specifically, did Chicago put forth a blueprint to make sure that every one of the the Vikings future opponents gets to play like Chicago and not like Detroit and Green Bay. Uh, But we're going to kind of look into that. Or was it just that, you know, Akeem Hicks was a beast and that's that. Uh, So we're going to look into that and everything, anything else I I notice in the tape and in the PFF stuff and all that. So do not miss that. But in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.